Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, the Prime Minister continues meetings with European allies. We reaffirm that our three countries stand shoulder to shoulder against Russia's barbaric invasion of Ukraine. In the 12 days since Russia launched this illegal and brutal assault, the world has come together in solidarity with the indomitable people of Ukraine. Justin Trudeau signals a willingness to increase military spending in Canada. The context is changing rapidly around the world and we need to make sure that the women and men who serve in the Canadian Armed Forces have all the equipment necessary to be able to stand strongly as we always have as members of NATO. We will uh, continue to look at what more we can do. And Canada pledges support for European nations looking to move away from reliance on Russian energy. The painful reality is that we are still very much dependent on Russian gas and Russian oil. And if we now would force European companies uh, to quit doing business with Russia, that would have um, enormous ramifications around Europe, including Ukraine, but also around the world. So we have to dramatically reduce our dependency on gas and oil from Russia. That will take time. It's Tuesday, March the 8th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Christy Kirkup from The Globe and Mail. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, Mark. The Prime Minister has been having meetings in Europe, and he's soon going to be joined by the Deputy Prime Minister, Christy Freeland. Um, Let's talk about what's happening at those meetings and the and the very delicate approach, the very careful approach that Western leaders, NATO partners, uh, and others are taking to the crisis in Ukraine. Because I know there's there's a lot of concern, obviously, for Ukraine and for its people, but also a lot of fear about what could happen if if this crisis escalates, if Vladimir Putin is further provoked. So, what what's been the, the tenor of these meetings. Yes, so the Prime Minister will be traveling throughout Europe uh, through throughout the week, of course, uh, beginning on Monday with a news conference in, in London. And I think that it's important to keep in mind that, of course, the Prime Minister is trying to send a signal through these talks uh, about, um, you know, Canada's stance against Russia's um, war of aggression, if you will, in Ukraine. He also, prior to the trip, talked about the need to discuss um, from the West perspective, the need to counter uh, disinformation on the part of the Kremlin. Uh, but Canada is not operating alone. And that has been something that we have heard from the Prime Minister and from the Deputy Prime Minister, that it is really critical um, that um, allies are united in trying to ratchet up the pressure, if you will, on Vladimir Putin, who to date does not seem deterred in any way from what is going on with regards to the invasion of Ukraine. In fact, um, you know, we have uh, seen a, you know continued escalation of, of violence uh, on the ground in Ukraine, and of course, people trying to, to flee uh, to other countries like Poland um, in order to, to seek refuge. Um, so Canada on Monday, again, trying and again, thinking alongside what allies are doing as well, but trying to raise the pressure, sanctioning another 10 people identified as essentially um, being in Vladimir Putin's uh, circle um, and, uh, you know, sending the signal again that the federal government will be working with other like-minded um, countries and allies uh, to try and hammer um, 
Russia's economy, essentially. That is the, the main tactic, if you will, to try and put the financial screws to Russia uh, to essentially isolate them from the rest of the world and um, have them feel economic pain as a result of uh, what is going on. So again, with this um, kind of beginning of the um, four-country visit to Europe, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau uh, making this announcement about, again, those additional uh, people who are on the sanctions list. Yeah. And and the Prime Minister also spoke about uh, supporting European countries that are trying to move away from their reliance on Russian energy. And, and I know that's a that's a concern and, and who knows where that could lead. He also talked about a willingness to increase military spending in Canada. And that, that's an interesting topic. And uh, there are a couple of angles to this. I know there are a lot of people who feel that we've not been spending enough on the military. We we haven't been. Uh, living up to the 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 uh, threshold that NATO uh, asks of its members, as one example, and we've been criticized by uh, by American governments in the past for not doing enough in that area. Um, so there's there's that angle to it, uh, but the fact that we're talking about it now is, I think, uh, really interesting to a lot of people because it suggests that that. Uh, there, this this current crisis in Ukraine could be a harbinger of sorts that we could be entering a new chapter in global affairs, and that and that there might be more of a need for military action in the future. And I know that has a lot of people very concerned. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting that the Prime Minister at a news conference in London was asked about this on, on Monday, where um, essentially Markey did defend Canada's uh, defence spending to date, um, which, as you well note, does trail NATO allies and, and is below um, target. Uh, but he also did acknowledge something, which is that he says the context is um, changing rapidly around the world. Um, and, uh, of course, he's also vowed in the context of what is going on um, in Ukraine um, that he's um, promised that he will and Canada will stand with the Ukrainian people and, and push back hard against uh, Russia. Um, I think that it's important to also um, hone in on the fact that you, know, you, you mentioned the fact that we are falling below that NATO target of defense spending at 2% of the, the GDP, and NATO has um, 30 member countries, and Canada is actually lagging behind the vast uh, majority of uh, countries who are part of NATO. And uh, at the news conference that uh, the Prime Minister was at, alongside um, the uh, British Prime Minister as well as uh, the Prime Minister from the Netherlands, um, essentially, Boris Johnson was asked if um, to, to comment on on Canada's uh, extent of, of spending because Britain, for example, um, did spend uh, spend 2.29 percent of its GDP on defense last year, at least according to, to estimates. Um, uh, Boris Johnson wouldn't bite on that. He said, I, "I'm not going to make any comment on Canada's approach, except to say this." He said, I do think that the world has clearly changed, and I think that we we can't uh, do post-invasion in Ukraine is to assume that we can go back to some kind of status quo. Um, so, again, you know, I don't think he, he wanted to take a pot shot at Canada in the context of this news conference, but again, making it clear um, that, um, that the world is not going to be the same after um, what we are seeing on the ground uh, in Ukraine as a result of uh, Russia's uh, aggression. 
Yeah, and and as I mentioned, there are all kinds of issues around energy policy and and uh, and conversations about uh, natural gas potentially being exported to Latvia and. Justin Trudeau telling the leaders of the UK and the Netherlands that that Canada is ready to step up if they consider Russia no longer a reliable supplier of oil and gas. And there was an interesting response from Boris Johnson to that as well. So there are a lot of moving pieces to this. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, I think that the prime minister is kind of at least conceding on on um, kind of the the oil aspect of this discussion, that essentially it is far easier for um, Canada to and and this is a recent announcement that um, you know Canada was not going to be um, accepting crude products from Russia. It's it's far more simple uh, for a country like Canada to be able to do that. It's not um, as simple in Europe. Uh, but again, sending that that signal that um, you know. Canada is is open to trying to work with other countries on this very issue um, because um, you know it's it's uh, essentially a reality um, and one that was acknowledged at the news conference that um, you know there is this very strong reliance on Russian gas and Russian oil. Yeah. All right. Uh, closer to home, Christy. Uh, just before we wrap up, let's let's talk about uh, one of the developments in the aftermath of uh, the Freedom Convoy that occupied downtown Ottawa. And one of the organizers of that, uh, Tamara Leach, was released uh, from custody after a bail review. Uh, She's got 24 hours to uh, leave Ottawa, 72 hours to leave Ontario. The clock's ticking on all of that. And and so that's one milestone. And I, I think one of the questions a lot of people will be asking is what happens after this and whether we'll see future demonstrations and protests or or simply some of these court cases playing out. Yeah, I think, you know, this is one of the, it's incredible considering what has happened in, in the world um, in such a short span of time. But of course, what happened in the nation's capital was uh, a massive uh, news story. Of course, um, you know, many streets, uh, arteries of Ottawa's downtown core were um brought to a standstill as a result of this demonstration. And then, of course, we saw in other parts of the country as well, uh, blockades, including at the Ambassador Bridge, which, um, you know, from different perspectives, including an economic perspective, was incredibly serious. And so I think, and we're we're going to see a follow-up discussion because um, it became um, such a crisis uh, that the Prime Minister did cite what was going on in the nation's capital as one of the reasons why the government decided to invoke the never-before-used Emergencies Act, which was in place for 10 days, and because there are specific stipulations in the legislation, we're, we're going to see both an inquiry as well as a special review committee taking a look at that. Um, just in terms of what happened in court, I, I thought um, the Tamara Leach um, kind of bail review process was was interesting in that you know, Tamara Leach, uh, she is a, a former member of the governing council of uh, the Maverick Party, the Separatist Party, uh, based in Alberta, and she really was at the heart, if you will, of, of organizing uh, the so-called or um, self-declared uh, Freedom Convoy. She set up the original GoFundMe page, which brought in millions of dollars and then eventually was shut down by um, that platform because they said that it was uh, going against its its terms of service. 
and uh, she was met by a lot of supporters who were outside the Ottawa courthouse uh, because uh, the Ontario judge who took a decision to um, allow her to, to be released with specific stipulations this did um, yeah, reverse a prior court ruling uh, from the end of February, Mark, where uh, Tamara Leach had actually been denied bail uh, by uh, an- another judge. Uh, so I think for supporters of the convoy movement, if you will, this is seen as a win. Um, she is not allowed to do things like post on social media or even engage in, in protests against um, COVID-19 vaccinations uh, and mandates right now. Uh, but I think that very much, um, you know, the, the movement is alive, if you will, and that we're, we're still seeing people, um, you know, who are supporters of um, essentially, um, you know, are against the mandates at all levels of government uh, who, who have not gone away, despite um, the fact that we're not seeing, again, the same uh, roadblocks um, and, um, you know, kind of yeah. degree of demonstrations in, in Ottawa's downtown core. All right. Great stuff, Christy. It's uh, it's really good to have your thoughts on all of this. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Mark. That's Christy Kirkup from The Globe and Mail. We will leave no stone unturned when it comes to supporting our friends in Ukraine as they fight for their lives and their right to exist. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In an editorial, the Toronto Star argues... But so far, Canada's response to the Ukraine crisis deserves high marks. The star writes, The Trudeau government, which has stumbled through other crises and bumbled some key foreign policy issues, has been remarkably sure-footed since Vladimir Putin sent Russian troops into Ukraine. Christia Freeland, Anita Anand, and Melanie Jolie have been the faces and voices of Canada's response. And this time, the government has been ahead of the curve in responding to Putin's aggression. Things are bound to get tougher. But in the meantime, the trio of women leading Canada's response to this crisis are off to a very good start. In the Globe and Mail, John Bell and John Zeta argue military aid to Ukraine will likely provoke Putin's aggression. They write, Despite the shock and brutality of Vladimir Putin's invasion, It is important for Moscow's rivals in Europe, NATO, and the West to calibrate their response in Ukraine. The initial high emotional reactions are to some degree natural, but they may not be the best basis for effective action. It is equally as important not to inflame Putin into further extreme violence as it is to dissuade his behavior in the future. In the Hill Times, Michael Harris argues the soul of the West hangs in the balance. Harris writes, To punish Russia for brutalizing the Ukrainian people is one thing. To stop Russia is another. So far, there is no sign that sanctions have done anything but make Vladimir Putin double down on his outrageous invasion. And no one should forget that sanctions come with unintended consequences. They tend to punish people in the sanctioned country who have little or nothing to do with state policy. And even if the sanctions work... What if the net result is an isolated Putin driven into the arms of China? Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The Prime Minister is in Riga, Latvia, and will hold a bilateral meeting with the Prime Minister of Latvia. He will then meet with the Prime Ministers of Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia. 
The Prime Minister will then participate in a welcoming ceremony along with Defense Minister Anita Anand and the Chief of the Defense Staff, General Wayne Eyre. Later, the three will meet with members of the Canadian Armed Forces as well as troops from NATO allies. And the Prime Minister will hold bilateral meetings with the Secretary General of NATO and the Prime Minister of Spain. The three will then hold a media availability and then the Prime Minister will depart for Berlin, Germany. Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland will host a virtual pre-budget consultation with feminist organizations as part of International Women's Day. She will then leave for Europe to join the Prime Minister during his visit to Germany and Poland. Transport Minister Omar Al-Gabra and Labor Minister Seamus O'Regan will announce funding to help the St. John's International Airport to recover from the effects of the pandemic. International Trade Minister Mary Ng will announce the next phase of the Women Entrepreneurship Strategy. Rural Economic Development Minister Goody Hutchings will make an announcement on improving high-speed internet in rural and remote communities in British Columbia. Northern Affairs Minister Dan Vandal will make a virtual announcement about investments to support jobs and economic growth in Yukon. Public Safety Minister Marco Mendicino will make an announcement about the government's efforts to help survivors of human trafficking in Burnaby, British Columbia. Minister for Women Marcy Ian will speak during a ceremony to honor the recipients of the Governor General's awards in commemoration of the Persons case. And federal, provincial, and territorial agriculture ministers participate in a fireside chat to commemorate International Women's Day. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Tuesday, March the 8th. Tune in to Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.